Fidelity. What's it cost to invest with the Fidelity app? Start with as little as $1 with no account fees or trade commissions on U.S. stocks and ETFs. Hmm, that's music to my ears. I can only talk. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Zero account fees apply to retail brokerage accounts only. Zero dollar commission applies to online U.S. equity trades and ETFs and retail Fidelity accounts. Sell order assessment fee not included. Some account types and securities excluded. Details at fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Are you tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? Well, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And they drink a little bit of champagne, which, you know, can just take the edge off anxiety. Uh, (laughs) Drink before you go on a flying Welcome to Here to Make Friends, a HuffPost podcast about the Bachelor franchise, where we lovingly snark on The Bachelor and Bachelor-adjacent shows. Whether you love The Bachelor or love to hate it, we're here to break down every single delicious moment with you. I'm Emma Gray. And I'm Claire Fallon. Here's the situation. That's you're, the scene for me, Claire. You're, you're a young lady, um, an eligible young lady um, with a law degree and a perfect bone structure and you're dating let's say around 15 bachelors who some of whom are quite handsome or talented have successful careers and one of your bachelors presents you with like a chunk of two by four that has the word enchanting carved into it in a sort of rough hewn fashion it, the splinters haven't been sanded off. There's no sort of woodworking skill on display. I guess my question is, how much would this make you want him? What's like the opposite of a lady boner? <laughs> like, can your clitoris invert? Crawl you- back into itself. <laughs> Because I think that's the reaction I would have. Um, This feeling might be heightened if the man presenting the plywood also was a white supremacist. But, like, how how are you going to know, you know? (laughs) So is there there a guy out there that you would like to receive that piece of hacked up plywood with? No, absolutely not. I I mean, like, if he looked like Peter, I might be able to get past it but this would not be a building block for our romantic journey also why does this man have access to a knife in a controlled atmosphere such as a dating show these are the questions that i have there are there were a lot of questions raised by this episode but especially i would like to know why he thought that this would be appealing to rachel like he was like, was he drunk? Was that just he looked like the work of someone who has bored? no actual woodworking skills, but he had like a lot of time and a knife, and he found like a piece of and he wood was like, in the I backyard. I know how to spell exactly one romantic word, and that 
Word it's is his it? word. He said it's my adjective. Yeah. It's sort of like he we'll only has one. Him. You can only have one in this world. And enchanting is his. So, I, I mean, I can only assume that Rachel took that piece of plywood, went back to her hotel room and promptly threw it in the garbage. But then it's like sitting in her garbage, like this evil little like Talisman. harbinger of e- evil. <laughs> it's just like that that whole interaction was sort of sociopathic, but there's something about giving a gift that says nothing except I sat for many hours with a knife and thought about you. <laughs> And that is the stuff of that is great the love. That is really, um, and that's what we come to the Bachelorette for: lessons about love. Yeah, there were a lot of lessons this week on the Bachelorette. But first, we have a quick little news update for you guys, in case you didn't notice. Big breaking news out of paradise. <laughs> Reportedly, according to TMZ, Warner Brothers has concluded their investigation and has concluded that there was no sexual assault that took place. This is such piping hot news. We are currently re-recording our introduction to account for how fresh this news is. Um, So obviously, we are not prepared to get into paradise right now, Um, but we are planning to do a bonus episode later this week, probably will be out on Thursday, where we discuss all that has unfolded and especially the most recent developments um, with with a show that apparently is now actually going to be shown, although they did say they will not show the footage that led to this whole um, kerfuffle. So we guess uh, the cast, at least most of them, I presume, will be heading back to Mexico ASAP. Um, and Carly and Evan's wedding was taped this weekend, um, and they got married. So congratulations to them. Um, it looks like that will, after all, be part of the season of Bachelor in Paradise, which was the original plan. Her dress looked great. Evan Gorgeous. was there. Yeah. He had cleaned up facial hair, and we uh, saw that there were a few Bachelor alum couples there. And I, I guess since they're now filming out of order, uh, the current Bachelor in Paradise uh, cast will not be making an appearance at the wedding unless they do some very weird <laughs> trickery. Yeah, just like do some pickups of the cast, like yeah, partying like down. I love weddings. Yeah, and then like cut to Carly and Evan partying in a sort of similar looking place, but actually it's different. Um, yeah, so there's a lot to to talk about later this week. Um, for now, we have the recap. Now we were supposed to have Jasmine Good, who was on Nick's season with Rachel, and who is part of the cast of Bachelor in Paradise. We were supposed to have her on to recap with us today. She couldn't make it. We assume she might be one of those headed back to Mexico. Let's hope we see more of her, um, and maybe we'll get her back in the future. But um, as a result of all these developments, it's just going to be us recapping today. Sorry, guys. Sorry. Stuck with us. Okay, Claire, so it's just you and me. The original crew. And there is a lot to dig into. Um, My overall feeling is that I just can't wait for Lee to be gone so that we can actually enjoy all the delightful guys on this season and, and Rachel. I feel like this Lee's more and more obvious racism is overshadowing. Yeah. The fun that is watching this kind of silly, soapy show. And we come in after, I might add, a week off from the show during which the Bachelor Nation news cycle sort of dominated by this really unpleasant 
scandal in paradise and we come back in to Bachelorette and it's Rachel's time and the first thing we see is Lee just messing with Eric's mind. Like we, we'd left off while Eric was making this big speech and about— And we get it again. <laughs> and we get it again. And you see Lee like intentionally laughing at Eric. It doesn't even sound like he's actually laughing, but just to like m- make Eric more riled up. Um, he keeps saying in his in the moments he likes getting under people's skin. He likes it when he smiles and an angry man gets more angry. It's just really unsettling and creepy. And finally, Eric is like, "Okay, so let's just focus on ourselves. Don't talk about me. I won't talk about you. We're, we should all just focus on our own relationships. And then, of course, it cuts to Lee being like, I don't care about other people. I'm not willing to make peace to Eric. He does the classic, I'm not here to make friends thing, which we have not yeah. heard the, those words exactly in a while. No, because people are <laughs> a little too self-aware. But that's the great thing about um, The Bachelorette is that often they don't know as much about what goes on in the show. The guys don't want to admit that they have ever watched the show, and a lot of them haven't watched the show. And they whip out all those really old tropes. So we move on from... Eric and Lee's really unpleasant interactions and then go right into Lee for some reason instigating conflict with Kenny. Poor Kenny who's just trying to talk about his travel schedule and his daughter. Yeah. And so Lee sort of approaches Kenny and Rachel while Kenny and Rachel are talking and Kenny's like, Lee already had time. Like I just started. Lee, can I – have like a minute to talk and Lee proceeds to then stand in Rachel's eyeline and count down on his fingers to when he can come interrupt again and Kenny is like pretty annoyed by it like and the whole situation was very confusing for me because like as these things often happen it's edited in a way where you can't really tell what the conflict is Like, they show parts of the interaction, but not quite enough that you really feel like you have a handle on what happened. Um, But Lee decides it's time for him to pull Rachel's heartstrings. So he gets Kenny out of there and tells Rachel in the moment, like, and I don't ever want to judge how people grieve. You never know. But the way that he delivers this bothered. Okay. So this is what happens. He says, (laughs) Rachel, so here's something about me. My grandfather um, got cancer, and that really bothered me. It was just a very odd turn of phrase. It was, it's, it's almost like a sociopath is like, I know that people use negative emotional words to talk about the experience. And and by the way, we are not armchair diagnosing Lee as a sociopath. Maybe this is the only sociopathic thing he's ever done. Um, But it does like really have that ring of he's trying to imitate human emotions other people have expressed. But he just like kind of missed it. He was like, people get upset when their loved ones die. So I'm going to say I was upset. But he picked the word bothered, which is just I wasn't sure if I'd heard that correctly or not. I I wrote it down. I was like, wait, it's, it's awful. That's as someone who's had grandparents pass away from cancer, like that's it that's is awful. awful. But, but it's a very it's um, a ch- odd way to describe. It's a it. choice of word that makes yes. it sound like you're annoyed at your grandfather. Yes, it was very weird. And then, <laughs> as we discussed in our intro, he presents her with a carved up block of wood, which is, I mean, 
all of the weird little tokens that tend to be given out on the show, like, I almost never find them to be appealing in any way. And then given what came before this, given what we know about Lee, it's just, like, the whole thing feels gross. And Rachel just took it in her, like, it was this, again, this splintery, hacked up (laughs) piece of wood that allegedly said enchanting on it. But it wasn't like I don't artful. know if we ever saw like a close up. Yeah, shot we just properly. saw like the splintery face of it. You wouldn't keep it. Like, what would you do it? Like years later, people are like, "Oh, what's that beautiful work of art?" And you'd be like, "Oh, this guy who was insane took his grandfather's knife and hacked this word into a piece of wood, and then just handed it to me." And I was like, "Wow, this is a real keepsake." And now we're married. <laughs> that was it for me. I that's when I knew. Um, meanwhile, well, Dean, we are we're finally starting to see that some of the other men are in fact picking up on Lee's instigation and Lee's instigation of specific people. And Dean is the only white guy in the house who even comes close to kind of coming out and and saying that Lee is right. seems to be only picking fights with black men. And he he says. He sort of skirts around it. He says to the camera, like, Lee's picking fights and choosing sides with people who are are Dean's friends and who Dean respects. And then he says he notices that the people that Lee's picking fights with are something along the lines of are not the people he would normally see. And, and the then producer, the producer sa- says something. I don't think we see the whole line, but it's so sort of like, what do what you, do you mean, mean by that? He says, you know what I mean by that. Yeah. Uh, and so and and then he also says something along the lines of the longer Lee sticks around, the longer people will see his intolerance. Yeah. So I think, you know, the men in the house are pretty obviously being impacted. Yeah. By this. It's interesting because you see a lot of scenes where Lee is trying to buddy up to the other white guys in the house. Oh, that and was... they and they a lot of them want to stay out of the drama. You know, Dean is sort of like, I don't like this. I'm going to say something. A lot of the guys are like. If I get involved with this, it only looks bad for me. But they are look. They give Lee this look when he tries to talk to them. That's like, okay, bro. Like, okay, right. They may not be engaging around it or or stepping in, which you know maybe I hope that we get to see a little more of that. But a, a normal tactic, I think, in to avoid people who watch this show. It's like. You just want to walk away when people get into fights. It's the reason that we saw, like, Josiah and Will and Anthony, like, all, like, get up from the couch the other week when, when a fight started. You just, yeah. like, don't want to be around it. Um, but, yeah, even, like, Peter and some of the other guys clearly are not friends with Lee. They're clearly not trying to yeah. hang out with him. Even even transphobic Bryce seems to be distancing yeah. himself. Fortunately, we don't see much of this episode. But, it, no, it's very... I think at one point, um, Dean is talking to uh, Brady, the male model, about— I keep forgetting his name and that he You won't exists. have to remember that, that anymore. Um, we lose we lose some duds this episode. But he's trying to say, like, oh, I don't, I don't like how Lee's acting. I think he's being an idiot. And Brady's sort of like, well, we all have our quirks. We all have those things. And Dean's like— Quirks, <laughs> and then just... Jack Stone is like jumping and mediate the difference between quirks and quirks. But yeah, they're they're all trying to like stay neutral, but no one's really getting. It. And it's especially weird that Lee thinks he can pull this off because they they all see him to to Eric's face or Kenny's face, be like, "I love you, man. I love you to death." And then he turns around and is like, "Fuck that guy." 
I think that is some of the most his most insidious behavior is oh, yeah. seeing the way that he speaks down to these men and and says I love the and in when he talks about Kenny to Rachel later on also we see him say like I mean I love the guy he's just so great but yeah he's oh man you're so you're just such a wonderful person but I love Something him so really much. Awful. I wish he weren't so aggressive. You know, like I and this is some someone uh, on Twitter. Uh, I think Leah White at Leah Librarian um, mentioned that there was a lot of gaslighting this episode, and it's all wrapped up Coming in from Lee. in Lee's. Yeah, well, the yeah, this way that he'll he'll act like, why don't you see how much I love you? Clearly, all I care about is you and your well being. And then turns around to the cameras and is like, I don't care. I don't care at all. I don't like him. I don't care. I could whatever happens to him. I don't I don't give a fuck. So we know exactly what he's doing. He is trying literally and he admits it in so many ways. He likes seeing them get upset. He likes getting under their skin. He'll tell them how much he cares about them so that they have to so that they look irrational when they get upset, but then admits that He's only doing that for effect. He's totally gaslighting all of them. Yes, it's textbook. And he and he even admits like he gets joy out of laughing at people who are getting increasingly frustrated. I will say this. I don't think sociopaths ever feel joy. <laughs> so maybe well, there's something else going on. I think Lee might just be an asshole. That's <laughs> I'm going to put that out there. Uh, okay, so we, we get a few lighter moments um we have a sweet a little bit of a sweet interaction between peter and rachel i think do we see brian oh brian and rachel Mm -hmm. have a really like pretty intimate exchange where she says that she feels like brian is almost too good to be true and and he's he's like listen baby when you're weak i'm gonna be strong and i I just want us to take care of each other it's not a hundred percent true claire it's a thousand percent true oh my god brian is so intense but she's super into it and the when she says it's too good i'm scared it's too good to be true that was such a callback for me to uh what ben used to say about lauren and i was like this guy's gonna be around for a while yeah she's because she's trying to dial back her own feelings about him. Right. And she definitely doesn't – she wants to be cautious, but she doesn't want to get rid of someone who seems too good to be true. Like, that's just – she's, she's just reminding herself to be careful. She's one of the people she's most into. Yeah. Um, so we're going to see Brian around a lot. And, yeah, he's – I mean, what's – there's no reason to not keep him around. He yeah. is charming, and he seems like a good guy. He's attractive. Yeah. I can't unsee um, – the the chin no, the cheeks imp, the cheeks by chin I mean cheeks the every cheek time we see him at a certain that, um, angle they look so that like, Allison Williams prominent. surmise that he might have yeah I mean maybe he just has really amazing bone structure but unfortunately the night there. ends on a really bad note uh, Kenny kind of pulls Lee aside to, to confront him about how Lee snuck in on his interaction and Lee's doing his little jovial Southern man act and. Kenny's sort of like, listen, let me talk. Just let me let me get this out. And then he pauses for a moment to gather himself. And Lee finally says, well, get to it. Which just made me cringe all over my body. It was so unsettling. Also, if we're talking about who's being aggressive in this situation. It was very, it was very Lee, like, Lee I'm was, in charge of Lee this situation. Lee raised his voice first. And... It was very upsetting to see, you know, Kenny's obviously a very self-aware guy. He knows that as a black man on a predominantly white 
TV show and at the mercy of the editing that there's a good chance that he could be portrayed in a negative light and that he will be held to a different right. standard he's than the white men around him. He's very hard to approach this in a calm he, and rational way. He's modulating and his Lee tone. And Lee takes the opportunity to talk to down him. to him in a very like and and it's it's a very microaggressive manner um that's sort of like I know I'm the guy in charge of the situation and I can tell you what to do. And it reminds me of like when you watch like a sports game and two guys like get into a fight and it looks like one guy started it and then later he's like yeah he called me a racial slur you know like that happens all the time in like uh european uh, soccer leagues because there's a lot of people of different backgrounds but not always in the most accepting environments and you know you you want to say violence is never acceptable but also like it can't be acceptable to instigate by being racially uh, provocative and and people use that as a tool and that's exactly what Lee is doing um, so fine this interaction does not go well because Lee just keeps smiling and laughing it's like I don't know what you're talking about then we get an intercut with Dean saying he hopes Kenny punches Lee in yeah, the face unfortunately that would probably make things worse so at this point Rachel overhears she gets eventually pretty upset and starts talking about the pressure that she's under from different directions. And she didn't want to get into the racial situation tonight. But she was in her outfit from tonight. Right. So. It was definitely from that night. But it, I, I don't know. It seemed as though there was parts of that conversation before right. the clip that we saw. And, I mean, this is right before they go into the rose ceremony. Um, so at this point, Rachel tells Chris that she just wants to do the rose ceremony. And he's like, hey, guys, we're just going to do the rose ceremony. And we're like, yeah, we already had a cocktail hour, but, like, okay. <laughs> so they start the rose ceremony, and um, eventually we find that Bryce, Diggy, and Brady are going home. Poor Diggy. We miss him already. And Diggy did not get the time he deserves. He did not. He, I'm but just going to la- shout out one last time to his bow ties and glasses. <laughs> The last rose goes to Lee, and it's hard to imagine that Rachel wanted to keep him. She'd already heard some sketchy stuff. He gave her that weird chunk of wood, and she just looked so icked out by the whole interaction. But it it made me think that the producers asked her to keep him in order to contribute to the drama and lead to a two-on-one, and that she was like, I'm the one who's going to get shit for this decision. Because for some reason, she started talking about how no one else was going to be getting judgment for her decisions. And she was under a lot of pressure from different directions. No one else is going to be feeling that but her. And I really got the sense that production wanted her to, to do something that was going to bring some of that down on her. Yeah, I could definitely see that being the case. And she even says to the producer, you have no idea what it's like to be in this position. And the producer, you, you hear it on, on air, which is, is rare, mm-hmm. saying, I don't. I, I don't at all understand yeah um so yeah i think that that could definitely be why she was getting upset i also think if she had had the information that we have as viewers the context about lee which she didn't have she had hints and also we have to remember that the leads don't even see a fraction of what we're even seeing you know on air Right. Um, of the, the in the moments or all the side interactions between the guys, I have to imagine that she might have put her foot down 
harder if she had had any of that context. I do think, like, she's been getting a little bit of shit, though, for for not seeing through Lee on this episode. Has she? I haven't seen any of that. I've seen a little, but I I think that you also have to think that I I do think she sees through him because yeah. her behavior toward him is not very skeptical. Him. No, I think she's not into him, and I think she knows that he's probably there predominantly for drama. But I don't think she knows. I the think she has an idea. It. I th- I do. Like she's not dumb. She has an awareness of these racial microaggressions that. You know, she might not make the move that we want when those things happen, but I think that she sees partly what Lee's game is. Absolutely. So, like, she doesn't have that backstory, but obviously she does now, as we saw on Twitter last night. Um, she she gave Lee a little shade. Um, but we are left with, with Lee and Kenny and Eric all still present, and they toast to... Moving forward, and they head to Hilton Head. Yes, and which is when they get to stand on a balcony and yell Rachel's name. Best part they of every always season. Always do that. Best part of every season. Um, Jack Stone speaks, which makes me think that next rose ceremony he's gone, or he's he's getting a one on one. Yeah, he? he's gonna be the nice guy that gets sent home on the one on one. I could see it. That's that's my call. Which we didn't even get to his one on one because <laughs> for the fiftieth time we end on a. To be continued. There's just too much drama to get through. Too much, too much, um, too many microaggressions. I think we were like half an hour into the show by the time they even <laughs> talked about going to Hilton Head. Um, <laughs> Eric is in better spirits. Everyone wants one-on-ones. I love how they always make them talk about that. Like <laughs> someone's going to be like, you know what? I really don't want one. And it's all, and then they only air the clips of the guys saying that who don't get them so that they can yeah. look like extra disappointed. But Dean gets the one-on-one. And Dean was really like a, a rare um, light, like moment of light for me this episode. I thought he really came into his own. Yeah. Their I, date really was excellent. Between, he's, he's much more self-aware than I think – his really unfortunate after the final rose line uh, let on. And yeah. he's also just like adorable and giggly and they have a really fun date. And that's the stuff that by this point in the season, like you want to start seeing. It, yeah. You don't want it to all just be the men getting really angry at each other. Yeah, you want to see Rachel having some fun. Right. And she gets to kind of leave behind the situation with Lee and... She and Dean go buy some groceries. They have a picnic on top of the Jeep. And, and he just, looks oh, – I love – he looks so, so suspicious cute. the whole time because the date card said our love is about to take off. And every time she says that they're about to do something that isn't get into a flying vehicle, he's like, really, though? Really? Because mm, – I mm. And he's, of course, afraid of heights. Yeah. So, <laughs> so what happens is a blimp shows up. Um, and Rachel's like, oh, yeah, I've always loved blimps. I used to call them bimps because I I just – I would be like, bimp, bimp, bimp. And then he's like, I think that's for us. And she's like, oh, do you think so? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> and then the Goodyear blimp has their names on it. Uh, and they get to get into the blimp. And I'm literally Googling what is a blimp right now. Did because you did- er, uh, uh, Dean makes a point of saying that – they use helium, and you know what? He's true. 
He's right. He's true. He, he's, he's true. true. He's and right. so true. Um, there is helium in a blimp. Did you notice that little moment of what felt a little bit like a callback or a little bit of shade to uh, Nick and Vanessa's date? She says, like, if you get sick, I'm not holding the puke bag for you. <laughs> and I was like, ah, oh, that's a little. I felt like that, that was a little reference. I feel like that's also a way of saying that he's not her Vanessa. <laughs> like, if you if you don't hold the puke bag, that means that I mean that's like a you're big like step a on a first date. So yeah, <laughs> hey, Nick and Vanessa did it. Um, um, yeah. So it's Dean really is terrified cute. of heights, and he at first is pretty sick, but then I think this is actually the smartest thing. They have him fly the blimp for a little bit. They and both fly the blimp. They for both a little fly bit. for a little bit. Rachel's like obviously into it. Dean is like terrified, but once he flies the blimp, he's sort of like okay. This thing is my 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 metier, and now. they drink a little bit of a little bit of champagne, which yes. you know can just take the edge off anxiety. Uh, and <laughs> drink before you go on a flight, guys. Yeah, before you fly a plane, it's yes. really wise. Definitely don't do that for legal reasons. We can't tell you to do that. Um, that was a joke. Definitely don't <laughs> operate any machinery or fly any vehicles or operate any vehicles while you're intoxicated. Yeah, I think I, I hope we're covered now. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, they do the classic thing where they they make the people on the date kind of taunt the other men who are trapped in their hotel room. And then the blimp goes by and it says, like, Rachel and Dean forever, like, with hearts. Yeah. <laughs> and the guys are just trapped in their, their little hotel suite. They're they like, cool, even... <laughs> we saw that. Thanks, guys. And, of course, this, this uh, leads to Brian kind of getting on his, like, I am an older and more mature man high horse to, like, talk about how Dean's age is really going to be an issue for him. This drove me crazy because, like, I I mean, it's less common, but when Brad Womack chose Emily Maynard, she was, like, 12 years younger than him. Like, he was, like, in his late 30s, and she was 24. Like, I'm sorry, that wasn't even commented on. It's so weird how we just assume that The Bachelor will choose someone who's, like, five years younger than him. But then if it's reversed, we're like, oh, that'll never work. How could she possibly? It's like... I mean, I've, very... I've met some 36-year-old men who Brian, may as well example, be children. seems like he's no older than Dean. Like, <laughs> and that's no no shade on either of them necessarily, but, like... They both I don't, seem pretty great. So but like, I don't look at Brian and think, wow, he really demonstrates the maturity <laughs> of a much older man. Like, I just don't. Um, so Rachel is also wondering if he's really ready to settle down, which is— A fair question. Totally. Um, they talk about their upbringing. They both were in strict and religious, but free and happy families. <laughs> so they're just basically identical people. Um, and then he tells her that when he was 15, his mom died of breast cancer— which she had beaten when she when he was nine, and then she was re diagnosed when he was fourteen, it was and a, it was a really, really heartbreaking mm-hmm. story. He speaks about it in a way like it. I was very affected by it. It felt very very real, and yes. sometimes you know we try not to judge because everyone's different. But sometimes when people talk about give these stories. The way that they give them feels very rehearsed or performative, and everything he said rang so true to me. Um, And he talks about how when she was 
in hospice during her second round of treatments, um, or I guess after they had failed, he was like 14 or 15, and he asked her when she was coming home again, and she said, I'm never coming home. And that kind of denial that you can have. I'm starting to tear up. Like, he seems a little, like, old to not know what hospice is, but the level of denial that you can have about what's... I remember sitting in a room at the hospital. My dad said that my mom had passed away, and I started laughing. Like, I was like, sure, okay, that's not a great joke, but, like... Obviously, that's not what happened because you see your parents as these people who will just always be there. And he talked about how he saw her as like a superwoman. Super yeah. And I think that it it says a lot. And I think, Claire, what you tweeted last night about, about loss, um, you know, driving you to want to start a family. Um, I think it explains a lot about the place that he's at and – and he also spoke about how, you know, the years following uh, his his mom's passing were, were tough on, on his family. And he spent a good deal of time being pretty independent as, yeah. as a late teenager. So I, I think this, you know, it does speak to the fact that perhaps he is more mature than a lot of 25-year-olds. He has gone through a lot. and yeah. And he also has just a really joyful and appreciative and and seemingly very good spirit and i it was really refreshing to see a date like this to see you know some real emotion being expressed and to see Rachel having a genuinely good time like that's we need those moments on these shows because that is also why we watch as much as we like to snark like it's really Nice to see those funnier or, or you know, more critical moments kind of buttressed by something that, that resembles, like, real dating and, and kind of the joy that comes from meeting new people and kind of searching for a partner. And um, you could tell at first that clearly Dean was had sort of prepared himself to, to speak about this and then – but it genuinely seemed like it was something off of his chest to get to open yeah. up about things. And he said, I've never really talked about this to someone before now. It can be really difficult to be open about that, especially if you're a, a boy. You know, say, like being a teenage men. boy is – I mean – my brothers never wanted to talk about it but because you're not really expected to have that kind of vulnerability with people. And it's hard to break through that to talk about the things you need to talk about. It also reminded me of um, when we interviewed Ben Flanick. It was, this was a while back now. And he spoke about how much he spoke about um, his loss um, on, on the show. And he said that it was actually like a really cathartic experience to be encouraged for kind of the first time to to speak about this kind of trauma. And I wonder if Dean had, you know, perhaps a similar reaction. At yeah. least that's that's how it appeared to us. And I love that. I mean, we often see it set up in this way that's like, I need to tell her before she sends me home. Like, I just need to get this out and then she'll feel bad for me. Um, it, that's often, I think, how producers convince people to talk. And he seemed more like, Rachel's someone I feel comfortable talking to about this. And that was... A much more na- and you know they had a really great um, conversation about it, and it was very natural. And it was um, she she gives him the rose right after that, but and for his emotional openness, he is rewarded 
by our token random country star performance where you have to awkwardly dance cheek to cheek on a pedestal in front of an audience. And they both looked like they had just been crying, obviously, because they just had this very emotional dinner. But then there are, like, crowds of people all around them, and they're on a platform. It's just the most awkward setup, and there's <sighs> it's just not a... I can't imagine that it is an enjoyable or romantic experience for the people who are actually on this date. It, yeah. I think it's much better maybe for the people in the audience who get to, like, take photos of the bachelorette right. on a date. <laughs> I mean, I guess I would like to dance at a concert with maybe, like, a fence around me so that people can't jostle me. But I don't want to be elevated so that everyone <laughs> can see me. Like, they should just, like, put them in a dance, a little dancing enclosure. Uh. But, but that would be tough to film. But otherwise delightful. Uh, Dean says he can feel himself falling in love with Rachel. Oh, God, you guys. This was so It was really cute. cute. And also, okay, did you have – I, for the first time, was like, hmm, Dean could be the next Bachelor. Yes. I definitely felt like he was getting a future Bachelor set up. Yeah. Because they were establishing that he had the maturity to excel – I'm looking for love. I'm looking to settle down, which is, like, I think the big concern about having a bachelor who's 25 or 26. Right. But he got to sort of – and I kept saying this isn't what it was like, but the bachelor got to have this footage of him explaining why he wants a family and why he wants to, you know, find that that place in his life where he's settled down. And it was really convincing. So yeah, he he sold me on it. I was like, I I had not previously considered him as um, a prospect, but now I'm like, he's maybe the most compelling person yeah. as of now to me from what we've seen. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think we'll be we'll be seeing more of Dean. I don't think he'll end up with Rachel, but I do think he'll end up maybe in the the top four. Yeah, I definitely think so. All right, we're going to take a short break, but don't go anywhere. We will be back in a minute for more on the latest episode of The Bachelorette. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes there will be something that is just like nagging at me, bothering me about something in my life, and I just swirl it around and around and around in my head and don't quite know how to address it. And something that can really help me sort that through and like, take action is therapy. I completely agree. I've been really stressed lately because I've just been getting sick over and over again. And before I know it, I'm feeling a lot of emotions and I don't even connect where they're coming from with the actual origin. We all carry around these stressors, right? And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a great safe space to get things off of your chest and figure out how to actually work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash love to see it today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash love to see it. Okay, so you got engaged. Congrats. Now you may be wondering what comes next. If you're planning a wedding, the first thing you need to know about is Zola. With Zola, you can plan your entire wedding in one convenient place. From the day you get engaged and search for the venue to the day you send out your save the dates, make your registry, and even taste your cake. 
Zola has literally everything you need to make the whole process super easy and actually even enjoyable. There's even a five-star app that helps you plan on the go or, you know, from your couch, which is certainly how, uh, if I was planning a wedding, I would definitely want to do it as loungily as possible. <laughs> so important. I also just know myself. I, I know that planning any kind of event, like even a birthday party, can get very stressful. And so it's been really cool to see friends use Zola. It really seems to make everything a lot less stressful. And as a frequent wedding attender, I love to be able to hop on that Zola registry and just purchase a gift. Easy peasy. I know I've done it. I won't forget. Thank you, Zola. Yeah, everything's all in the same place. It's perfect. Start planning at Zola.com. That's Z-O-L-A.com. I am so glad that it's finally warming up. And it also means that I just want to have fun this summer and I don't want to be worrying about meal prep. And luckily, I can do something about that with Factor, especially because they have so many meal options like Protein Plus, Keto, Vegetarian, something for every diet. Their fresh, never frozen meals are ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every single week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Make your whole day delicious. From breakfast to dessert, stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. I love having a few factor meals just sitting in my fridge, especially because I work from home. It's so nice to finish up a taping and not have to figure out what to cook myself. Just look in my fridge and be like, oh, in two minutes, I can be eating mushroom chicken thighs and wild rice or tomato basil chicken risotto or Santa Fe style green chili beef skillet. And they always have a nice like vegetable side. It feels well-balanced. I feel full after, and it's not a headache at all. Head to factormeals.com slash LTSI50 and use code LTSI50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code LTSI50 at factormeals.com slash LTSI50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Oh, I'm so happy the weather is finally turning. If you, like me, have been wanting to update your wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune, then Quince is for you. You can build up a lineup of timeless pieces that will keep you looking effortlessly chic year after year. Like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings right on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, as well as premium fabrics and finishes. I love Quince for all these staples. I mean, linen is my favorite summer fabric. They have so many amazing linen staples. I also found my new go-to like summer running around to the playground in the coffee shop bag. It's the pebbled Italian leather front sling bag. I can just fit a wallet and my phone and my AirPods in it, maybe some lip balm. Absolutely perfect. I'm so obsessed with it. And the price was exactly what I wanted to. 
Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash LTSI for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI. Anyone who's been listening to this podcast for a while or even not that long knows that we love article. I mean, honestly, I'm looking around my home right now. Coffee tables from article. That lovely chair out on my deck. Article. Our big console. Article. I'm My bed frame. Article. This is an article household. It is. And it's, I mean, it was an inspiration to me. We finally got our first article piece of furniture recently, our new couch. And my husband and I are both constantly just like, how did we live before this couch? This is such an improvement over what we had before. It's so comfortable. It just seems to get more comfortable every day. I mean, it's the couch you dream of. And the reason that we have both been able to find ideal furniture on Article is because Article believes in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their online-only model, they have some really delightful prices, too. Their curated assortment of mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandi, and boho designs makes furniture shopping simple. And their team of designers are all about finding that perfect balance between style, quality, and price because we all want the best of all of those three things united in one piece of furniture, right? Plus, they're dedicated to thoughtful craftsmanship that stands the test of time and, you know, looks good doing it. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash LTSI, and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash LTSI for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. And now back to the show. Back at the house, Jack really wants that second one-on-one. Kenny wants that one-on-one. They all want the one-on-one. Of course they want the (laughs) one-on-one. And so then Jack gets it. And then we see Lee starting to kind of bait Jack. He says this really condescending thing about, like, you could still be a good guy even if you go home on the one-on-one. This is just like a classic Bachelor villain move. Is like someone else gets the one-on-one and you're like, wow, that's going to be really tough. That's going to be a lot of pressure. I hope that you're up to it. But, you know, no big deal if you go home. Like every season, the villain in the house does this. I I feel like Jack has a personality um, hidden underneath his pearly whites, but we haven't seen it. So maybe we'll get to see it on the one-on-one. I have a feeling that he's going to go home then, but He does seem to get along with the other guys. Yeah, Um, and on on social media, he seems pretty funny, and he seems to get along. He seems to have retained a lot of friendships. So that that always speaks well for someone. Um, Going on the group group date, date, Alex, Anthony, Peter, Brian, Jonathan, Adam, Matt, Kenny, Lee, Iggy, Eric, Will, Josiah. So a lot of... um, Intense personalities. Yeah. Um, We need to talk at some point about (laughs) Iggy's role in this episode, but we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. So they head out on a boat. The date card says, I want to see who's ready for a commitment. Meh. Um, She tests them out by having them limbo, (laughs) do a push-up competition. Eric starts a dance line. It's pretty cute. Rachel has a throwaway line that's like, if you're hot, please feel free to take your shirts off. (laughs) Like, I'm I'm very into her just open um, sort of joking objectification of the men. I'm like... Get it, Rachel. That's really funny. 
Um, Josiah does push-ups with her on his back. Classic move. I loved how that, like Kenny was holding Rachel yeah. <laughs> up so that it wouldn't be too much weight on Josiah. It was it was just was very like, I cute, got you, man. And, cute and playful. Kenny starts freestyling. He um, says apparently You're... Rachel also freestyled, but yeah, I feel that we were robbed uh, by not getting to see her freestyle. I know Peter does a terrible freestyle, but it's like kind of charming because he's just very. At cute. least he tried. Yeah, and he knew he was bad. <laughs> he has a sort of um, clearly sarcastic cut to, to camera where he's like, I just did a great job. <laughs> Peter reminds me of, like, that trope of, like, the sexy child. Not, like, child child, but, like, when you meet, like, a superhero who doesn't know the ways of our world. So they seem very <laughs> naive. Or, like, Tarzan. Like, he's so beautiful and so good-humored and then, like, he's so bad at everything. And <laughs> it's, know, like, it of, comes together in this it. amazing, like, goofy way. Also, did you see floating around social media um, his old high school yearbook? No. Okay, first of all, he has the most atrocious facial hair, which he posted <gasps> about on, on his Instagram. And it's really bad. It's really, <laughs> really bad, which is funny. But I guess, and it seemed like he didn't even remember this. I'm going to try to pull it up so I don't misquote it. Okay, so his high school yearbook... He well, first of all, he he was on the football team, so wow. shocker. Um, and his quote was, "Don't forget destiny." <laughs> okay, what? But his future plans: go to art school, become famous in one way or another, be on The Bachelor, live happily. Oh my God! And he his he said TBT to what has got to be one of the most fantastic yearbook blurbs I've ever seen. So ridiculous, even I had to check its authenticity. Well, when I set my mind to something at 17, apparently I really stick to it. I'm just glad no one noticed the real atrocity here, the impeccable fashion sense. Hashtag life goals. I can't look at anything else. He's wearing like a shirt with a neck. The neck closure is like a little chain. Also, like this was a look um, at that point in time. I definitely went to high school with guys who had this the buzz cut with the bad goatee and, like, the one earring. This was the look. They just don't. It's terrible. He looks so different that it's hard to believe. That he's so beautiful now. Right. <laughs> it gets it's, better, guys. It's not good, guys. <laughs> uh, but also, yeah, he, even he forgot that apparently he had written that one of his goals was to be on The Bachelor. Technically, he's on The Bachelor. Right? I know. So but maybe close, he's close just enough. there to become close The enough. Bachelor. <laughs> um, okay, so next they all go to... A spelling bee. This is my favorite date ever. Best date. Um, one of my, uh, I think, best points on Twitter last night was how important it is to know how well a guy can spell before you get engaged. And I had never thought about this. And you were so right because they don't text. They and don't who text. among us has not gone on some, like, internet date and someone sends you, like, really bad texts, spells, like, you are instead of your, like... There's just a lot yeah. of ways that you, you can turn someone off with your poor yeah. spelling and grammar. And that is important deserves to, to everyone, understand. but Rachel clearly is of our <laughs> of our uh, thinking on this. She wants a guy who can write texts that don't spell boudoir like Bordeaux. <laughs> so she decided to find out, and I have a lot of respect for that. I also, like— was really into spelling bees as a kid. So this was I loved seeing all the like the little high schoolers or middle schoolers they who were, were really cute. moderating. Yeah. Bees of any kind used to make me very anxious. Shocker. And <laughs> everything like geography bees were like my greatest source of anxiety in school. Yeah. But I, I was like a pretty good speller, so I could have gotten on board with this. Yeah. Might not have won, but I mean who among us can spell boutonniere? 
I I want to say that I can because there's no way for you to test it. It's written in front of me. So, you know, um, just uh, believe me, guys. I can totally spell it. So there was a large range of words. Uh, squirt. We, squirt was the first. I wonder if this was first when they actually filmed it or they just thought it would be funny to start that way. But you can just see every guy, like, just I mean, awkwardly Why was it part giggle. of it at all? It's supposed and to be like a romantic. <laughs> and yeah, they're ch- the children are checking the spelling. It's like three 12-year-old girls. You gotta so they could have to, kept it a little more PG. to Adam, who's like, can you use that in a sentence? <laughs> what was the sentence? I don't remember now. I wish I had written it down. Uh, so, we get squirt, passion, schmuck, which I'm like, really? Like, you're throwing out Yiddish words now? Hey. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I guess I would want a guy who knows how to spell schmuck. Yeah. And how also, not don't to be, be a one. schmuck. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Euphoric. Poor Kenny gets tripped up on champagne. He's the first yeah. one sent out. I know that classic two-letter swap, but you got to watch out for that. Like, you, you're like, I know it in my head, but then you just say the letters in the wrong order. No dice. So he switches the G and the N. Uh, Peter has a very embarrassing turn at attempting to spell coitus. Everything about this turn was so embarrassing. She <laughs> had word, to say coitus sentence. in a sentence. She says, to her credit, she she says, if you're lucky, you'll engage in coitus with a bachelorette. Yeah, if you're very Hell lucky. Yeah. Uh, um, he spells it like Q-U-I-T. I don't even. It was nowhere near. Like, it, oh, it was just. Bad. Uh, Kristen Baldwin tweeted a screenshot of it and just said, "God doesn't give with both hands." <laughs> yeah. I thought that was pretty funny. And we got some great. But he gave some great. He's very good natured. I, I Peter love doesn't this about care Peter. when he fails, which is very appealing. And and he's very like generous toward the other guys. Like he's like. This is going to be so interesting because Jonathan is, or um, Jonathan's a doctor. Anthony is a secret genius, and Will leads, reads like six books a day, <laughs> which like I had no idea. But that's amazing. Oh, I was like, thank you. This is actually great information. That- I mean, we knew that Anthony's a secret genius from his because he's a profile, as we yeah. said seventy times. Um, but yeah. Also, now we know that Jonathan's a doctor, which we did know before, but it had never been mentioned on the show. <laughs> So I'm glad we've had that confirmed. Yeah, Peter is is a good cheerleader for the other guys, which I I appreciate in someone yeah. who also is that. I actually see a good thing. amount of solidarity <laughs> between the guys this season, which a lot of the times it'll just be like almost backhanded solidarity. Like that guy sucks. There are some great guys here, but that guy sucks. They're like actively they sort seem of affirming to each other. Really enjoy each other. We're just not getting to see as much of that because, of course. They're leaning into the drama. Right. So the final three are Josiah, Anthony, and Will. Um, Josiah, again, is an attorney, so also probably does some Alex reading. Alex makes it pretty far as well, I think. Um, Josiah gets the word stunning. And then Anthony gets out on boutonniere, and Will gets out on physiological. And I was like, this is kind of unfair. Stunning, <laughs> yeah. boutonniere, not the same. What was the last word that Josiah Polyamorous. Had okay, polyamorous. He had to spell polyamorous to win. Um, and he took, it was great. He's like, can you use that in a sentence? Then he was like, well, I'm not looking for a polyamorous relationship. That was good. I only want to be. I feel like people were annoyed by his delivery, but I found it so charming yeah, how he was leaning into the corniness. Josiah's kind of um, grandstanding, but I, I've found it to be pretty funny. I yeah. don't I think it's kind of just like an a funny act. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, he he kisses the trophy when he gets it. He like gives a whole speech to it. Like I, I was sort of charmed by it. Yeah. 
and he brings it. I did it feel bad he, for Anthony, though. Yeah, I would have been annoyed if I were him. Um, but he brings the cup that he wins to the cocktail hour, <laughs> the evening portion of the date, and drinks out he of it. He drinks out of it. You know what? I just loved it. I'm I loved sorry. it too. I found it totally charming. Because that's like the kind of thing that you could see getting someone a villain at it, but it's so not bad natured. It's just silly and like self aggrandizing, but not hurtful towards other people. You know, it's just like, yeah, guys, I'm great. Like, what's wrong with that? I, I don't know. Yeah, whatever. They, they like have nothing to do on this show. They have to take their moments of joy where they can. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, then they, you know, they have their sort of uh, night portion of the date. We get a few little mini one-on-one times. We found out Rachel is licensed to practice law in Wisconsin. And she's sort of like, Peter, I didn't tell you that before. Yeah. <laughs> she's uh, like, in case, she's like, let's talk again about where we're going to live, basically. Here's yeah. a new piece of information for you. I can practice law in Wisconsin. Apparently, they would both be willing to move. He seems like he might consider Texas, but fair enough. He it's, hadn't. It wasn't at the top he, of his list. He was sort of, like, not married to Wisconsin, but he was like, what about somewhere other than Texas? And I was like, you just want to move to L.A., don't you? Like, be honest. Um, he already lived there, so clearly he's into that. And I appreciated that Rachel was like, yeah, I if it made sense, I would move, but I need to know that my partner would do that for me as well. And I think that that's a really good point to make because— we so often see, like, the assumption that the woman will always right. move or that someone has to make this big sacrifice. And I think making it an equal playing field where it's like, yeah, we both would be willing to move, but let's figure out where it actually makes sense for us to live and then base that, you right. know, quote-unquote sacrifice on that. Like, I thought it was just a nice a nice conversation, and I continue to see him getting far. Yeah. Um, she talks to Eric. She's like... I wanted you to be okay this week, and, like, I'm glad that you had a better week than last week. It was kind of a cute dynamic. I Eric is not my favorite pick for her. I think that they but don't have that much in common. she seems to be into him, which is interesting. Yeah. Well, there's something about her dynamic with Rachel that I uh, – with Eric that I don't quite get. Like, she seems comfortable with him, and, like, she cares about him – she sort of tells him how she spends her time, like, watching TV shows and cleaning, and they, like, laugh together, and it's cute. And then in her in the moment, she sort of gives this little line that's like, We could we, be something. Eric and I could really be something, but there's no emotion behind it. You know, it seemed very flat. I wonder and if she just kinda, thinks he's really cute. Right. I don't know. <laughs> I almost feel like she's, like, talking herself into it in some way. Like, she's like, I like this guy. Something's not there. But, like, what is it? I can't put my finger on it. So maybe I'm crazy. Like, maybe there is something that could happen. Yeah, we'll see. I haven't – yeah, we haven't really seen enough of them. I think we need to see him in a one-on-one situation. And now Iggy Iggy. gets wild. Okay, so – Iggy, Iggy, Iggy. Iggy has decided that – it's just, like, such a coincidence that Iggy has issues with all the same people that Lee does. It's just, like, whatever black guy is having drama with Lee, Iggy's like, you know, I really think it's it's the black guy's fault. And it really got under my skin this episode. Iggy reads to me as more of, like, a – I didn't really connect him to Lee. I just more saw him as um, a general – 
Like, this happens a lot on this show, and he has decided to play that role of, I need to protect Rachel from her own decision-making and tell her about the people that I don't get along with. Right. But it's very weird that he would describe Josiah as a pariah. And some, which he does. does he, he, say, he says pariah. He says he's so weird. I see him around you. Uh, Josiah's acting cocky, and I think he's just like covering up his insecurities with bravado in the house. He like isolates himself. He's actually kind of a pariah. And from what we see of the house, it seems like Josiah is friendly with a lot of the guys, whereas no one wants to talk to Lee. So I find it weird that Iggy never brings Iggy's, that up. Yeah. That is true. Like, he's like, I want to talk about the issues you're having with people. But not Lee. But not Lee. The whole thing was very, very weird. And it's also confusing to me because then I'm like, you know, I do little dives on all these people on social media after. And Iggy is very close with a lot of the men. He's really close with Alex. He and Diggy have been doing, like, an Iggy and Diggy after show because they both live I mean, in Chicago. He's He's, like, BFFs with Dean. Um He's so he's close with a lot of the guys from the house. It's just I don't know if it's an insecurity, if it's like a a defense mechanism against knowing that he doesn't really have chemistry with Rachel. So he's just going to, you know, I just the way that he operated this episode really bugged me. Me too. This was was the second time this happened with Eric as well. He sits down. He's like, Rachel, I want to talk to you about. Ex guy because and then goes I'm back to the guys and is like Rachel asked me yeah I'm gonna answer a question Rachel asked me about you and I was like yeah people keep bringing him up because they don't like no you were the only I think, guy I who think Eric him up. has the right assessment when he's just like he's a gossip queen he seriously <laughs> is but he's like lying to their faces but also pulls a very but odd thing where he's like I'm way. gonna disclose everything I just said but also. It was because she asked. Right. He goes He goes out of his way to try to seem honest by confessing that he just talks shit about them, but lies about how it happened to make himself look like he's not in the wrong. And Josiah, and I love how we see, like, the attorneys, like, Rachel is <laughs> always doing this, like, sort of pointing out, like, the flaws in the case, and Josiah does the same thing. He's like, you don't get a pat on the back for saying, yo, Josiah, I just talked a lot of shit about you. I'm yeah. Like, Solid point. Especially, <laughs> like, like, you don't get let off the hook for saying shitty things about someone just because you told them you said shitty things about them. I mean, it's right. a better it's move also than, like, than pretending not to If you're going to, to confront him, then maybe do it before so that he has a chance to address it before you go to Rachel with it. It's like it's already too late for him to do anything about it. So why did you bring okay, it to him Okay, can we also um, discuss a very weird line that thing that Josiah said offhand that just got completely yes <laughs> glazed over he says like Iggy shoots steroids into his nuts did you notice this line no he's just like in an aside Iggy that dude takes dr- like he said he something about steroids. that dude takes drugs and shoots steroids into his nuts and then the show just moved on what? and it was the weirdest moment like wait what I just don't get it I don't know I don't know. We I just need, had to bring that up because it was very If someone has more odd. information about yeah. this, please bring it to us because we have no also, idea Also, like, is that a thing on. that people do? Do you shoot steroids into your nuts? Uh, yeah, I'm actually an expert on this. <laughs> um, I've, I've so, been through several— Someone let us know because yeah, I, I don't, clearly don't know enough about this subject. We have zero idea. But during his conversation with Josiah, I was really bothered to get— Like, he's doing sort of the Lee thing of, like— 
can you just let me talk? Just let me talk. I'm sorry. Like, you need to just let me finish what I'm saying. And it's very, it was very condescending and seemed like almost like it was designed to make Josiah look crazy. I think Iggy like fancies himself like the calm, observing one in the house, which is just an incorrect assessment. He's just stirring up shit. And like, I don't like the way that it's, that it's directed and... I'm I'm not I don't want to give him a pass for another episode because last episode I was sort of like whatever Iggy, I didn't like him Fool at all me this once. episode. Yeah, f- yeah, I'm not overlooking <laughs> this again. Um, so Lee then sits down with Rachel. Okay, this was the weirdest defense. He says he tries to sort of head off because I think he knows that maybe he's going to get some blowback for being horrible, mm-hmm. and he says it's so weird. Like I'm so genuine. That people tell me I come off as disingenuous. Right. I'm like, that's not a thing. I mean, we've seen it happen with people like Kayla where I'm like, I can see why people find her to be so nice that she's fake. But I haven't actually seen any evidence that she's fake. Like, maybe it exists, but it sort of seems like people are just sometimes put off by too much earnestness. Earnestness. However, this is not the Lee case is for not Lee. too earnest. <laughs> Lee is the most disingenuous, two-faced person we've maybe ever seen on the show. Or as half of these guys like to say, disingenuine. Yes. that. <laughs> I mean, it's it's such an intuitive thing to say. I get it. But there was just... <laughs> It happened with, like, three different guys. (laughs) And it's, you know, ingenuous is a word. Disingenuous is a word. Genuine is a word. The only one that isn't a word is disingenuine, (laughs) and people really wanted to say it. Um, So he's trying to defend himself preemptively. He also calls her ma'am. Yeah, she wasn't into that. Um, She's like, please don't call me ma'am. And he does his condescending thing where he's like, I love the guy, but... Yeah, but he, and this is when he calls Kenny aggressive multiple times and says that Kenny is a ticking time bomb. And I think that was in an in the moment. Ugh, and he's repulsive. Rachel is sort of looks like she's taking it in, she but isn't definitely totally does not seem convinced by him. She she right. knows that this guy she has her like she's like that's not a Kenny I've ever this. seen. Um, so I'm gonna have to talk to him about that because that doesn't seem right to me. Um, so she goes and talks to Kenny, who I want to call out. He does another freestyle for her, and he rhymes journey <laughs> with brown-skinned attorney, and it was so cute. Um, that was the best line. Yeah. It, also, we, so before we get Lee saying to the camera, I'm going to take joy in crumbling his miserable world. Yeah, that was pretty fucked like, up. Like, that is so dark it, and so disgusting. I, I just, this guy needs to go. Yeah. Um, so Rachel points out that she kind of overheard his fight with Lee because um, she was in the next room and when also, they were yelling. It's good to point out that Kenny had actually said earlier in the episode that he was worried about how that came off because he and he was disappointed in himself for kind of losing his cool. So he already, I think, was nervous that Rachel was going to judge him for mm-hmm. getting in, in uh, an argument. Yeah. So she kind of asks him if he felt bad for how he handled it um, and if they made up. And he says, yeah, I did feel bad right away. And, you know, we shook hands over it. And Rachel says, well, then why would Lee call you aggressive? And Kenny said, maybe Lee doesn't always tell the truth. Yep. Which was maybe the the most generous thing he could have I said know. at I, that point. I, he also um, 
clearly has a very good read on Lee. And, and he he even says, like, Lee had zero intentions of, of letting Kenny speak. And I think that's what we see in a lot of Lee's interactions with the other men, specifically the black men, is that he is he wants to talk, but he doesn't want to hear them. And that's why right. people get so frustrated talking to him when you don't feel heard. Yeah. How else are you supposed to react? If someone talks over me, doesn't let me speak, yeah. like, I'm going to get angry. And it's important to note that Kenny never became – and we never condone physical violence. But that and res- wasn't but even close. Exactly. He didn't become violent at no. all. He became upset. He became Which louder. Which is a completely natural reaction to being To being gaslit, yeah. honestly, because that's what Lee was sort of saying. I'm listening to you. I'm listening. Tell me. But it was clear from his body language and the and the way that he kept sneaking in little comments that he wasn't listening. And, of course, at the end of this, we end up, you know, so Lee instigates the conflict. Lee says horrible things about Kenny to the camera. And then Kenny's the one who ends up apologizing to Rachel. And I was like, this is such a just upsetting dynamic, but also, unfortunately, not surprising. Yeah. And then Kenny walks off and is clearly pretty devastated because he feels like this interaction has shifted the energy between him and Rachel. Yeah. And I think at one point he even says something along the lines of, you know, now I need to convince her that I'm not dangerous. Which is bonkers. Like, And exactly what, you know, as a black man, you have to deal with is that the assumption is always that you are aggressive, that you are going to harm someone. And, like, it's an incredibly damaging, incredibly vile um racial bias mm-hmm. and and we see it play out in really dangerous ways all the time uh, yeah. in the real world and so it's upsetting to see it play out here and it just drives home what we were talking about last week in that ABC here has used this pretty openly racist man to create entertainment and and in the process is harming uh the men of color who are in the house and and Rachel. Yeah. And it put it puts Rachel in this terrible position because she knows about this history and these dog whistle words, but she also doesn't have any real direct information about what happened except she's seen Lee be smiley and she's seen she's heard Kenny yell and that's really so little for her to go on she doesn't want to be like well I'm a black woman so I'm supporting the black guy that'll get her blowback from some direction she doesn't want to be like well I think Kenny's dangerous he has to go because I mean obviously that's blowback from a different direction she's caught in this place where the the, the, the producers put her in by instigating this conflict that she didn't get to see and it's it's just like every part of it is so upsetting. And the only cathartic moment for me was when Kenny just looks at the camera and is like, Lee's an alternative facts piece of garbage. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to use that one. That was so alternative facts. Um, and meanwhile, Lee is sitting with, I think, Brian and Peter at the bar or a couple of the other white guys and is like, Oh my Listen, God. I don't have a problem with you guys. I'm not going to have an issue with you guys. I'm like, fine oh, really? with you guys. It's oh, like, really? Oh, really? So odd say. that the white men you have no problem with. Uh, yeah, and <laughs> Peter uh, it th- Peter says that he's, he doesn't think Lee is genuine, that he rubs him the wrong way. He thinks Lee is, but, in but, fact, disingenuine. <laughs> I wasn't going to do it. but And the two guys are sort of like looking at Lee while he's rambling about how much he loves them. Like, 
Bye. Yeah, like, we don't want to talk to you. Like, we're not your friend. Um, like, everyone's sort of getting caught on to Lee at this point. Um, and we leave on a cliffhanger where yeah. Kenny goes to calmly pull Lee aside again. And the other guys are Lee like, rolls oh, his God, eyes. this is going to be a showdown. And then Will goes to witness yeah. it. And that's where we Will's end. like, I'm not getting involved until a punch is thrown, but, I'll but I will watch. <laughs> um, uh, and I assume that that's also, you know, two weeks ago or no. Yeah, we saw a teaser that Will um, might give Lee some context about the right. history of, of calling Blackman aggressive. So I guess that's going to happen after. Next week. It's probably going to happen after his talk with Kenny when Lee is being like, why is he being so like, Ugh. which he will do even though he knows exactly what he's doing. Next week, Lee and Kenny are going to get the two on one. And it's just like, yeah. this is like, shame on you, ABC. Seriously, yeah. like, this is gross. It's not entertaining. It's gross to make money off of this, which is ultimately like what the show is doing. Uh, and, and then to drag this out for... Uh, what I believe is going to be bleed into two more episodes. Yeah. A, a two-episode special next week. Right. We're so I think we'll see Lee gone by um, the second one. But, I hope so. But it's just We it's, still have to lot. get through another one-on-one and then the rose ceremony, which they will clearly make it to unless there is a surprise two-on-one. Um, oh, God. Before, because they both have to be around right. for a date yeah. that hasn't even been announced yet. Um, it's just too much. And... It was really heartbreaking. Like, we love laughing about this show, and it's hard to—it was hard to do that this episode because it's just really heartbreaking watching someone like Kenny hear hear what's happening to him and know what's going on, and but that there's so little he can do about it. And to hear that he was called aggressive when he was—he he says, like, look at the tape. I was 10 feet away from him. Like, there was no aggressive action. It was just talk and not even, like, threats. So he's sort of watching something unfolding to and happen to him that he's seen happen and result in very— horrible, like sometimes fatal consequences for other black men. And that must be frightening and and disturbing. And to know that his character is is being painted this way on TV. It just was not fun to watch and not fun to talk about. Um and it looks like it's only gonna be worse next week. So So really a, a lot to look forward to there. Yeah. Gross. And now, welcome to Feminism Fails, where we rate the most cringeworthy anti-lady moments of the week on our very own patented Feminism Fail Scale. One, you do you, bro. Two, that's questionable. Three, not cool people. Four, the 1950s are back. Five, gender equality is straight up dead. So... There were a lot of fails on The Bachelor, Just on the Bachelorette this week. General fails. Um, we talked a lot about all the race fails. Um, we're going to give that a six. We can't really get any more into what yeah. went on, but anytime we mentioned a microaggression or a dog whistle, just go ahead and give that a six. Um, but also a couple feminism fails. Um, first of all, 
everyone is worried that Dean is too young for Rachel, as we discussed. He's seven years younger than her, which is basically the situation for every bachelor and the woman he chooses. So, like, maybe leave them alone. I'm going to just give that a three. And then there's all of the instances of the men calling each other bitches, which is apparently the only insult they have in their arsenal. Get a little more creative, guys. Yeah, Josiah, we know you, that you're very loquacious and you have a fantastic <laughs> vocabulary. Yeah. As we Step up use your game. Uh, so we're going to give that one a two. And then um, just a general education fail. Learn how to spell and say disingenuous. That's D-I-S-I-N-G. E-N-U-O-U-S. And yes, I was looking at the word when I did that. (laughs) So no points to me. And that's it for Here to Make Friends. Uh, Thanks to our producer, Nick Offenberg. If you haven't yet, please remember to find Here to Make Friends on Apple Podcasts to subscribe and give us a rating. Helps other people find our show. We're also on Facebook. Please like us there. And you can find us both on Twitter where we live tweet all this fun stuff. I'm at Claire E. Fallon. And I'm at Emily Rose. Or you can always send us an email at heretomakefriends at huffingtonpost.com. Thanks for listening. We'll be back later this week with a bonus on Bachelor in Paradise. And we will also be back next week recapping, I guess, weeks five and six of The Bachelorette. Two episodes, two weeks in a row. Yep. Can't (laughs) wait. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Save big money on everything for your spring projects at Menards. We have all of your garden and landscaping essentials. Master Garden Premium Garden Soil contains a slow-release fertilizer that feeds gardens for up to nine months. It produces better results and is ready to use for all your gardening needs. Save big on Menards' great selection of garden and landscaping products. Compare brands in-store or online at Menards.com. Save big.